behind the curtain of Australia's billion-dollar media and entertainment industry. That's entertainment. The personalities. So Lisa has not slept, and neither has Carl. What do we even need producers for? The politics. The Murdoch uh, print media platforms no longer provide anything approaching balance to news reporting. The pressures. I'm not sure that people are aware of the impact it has. Unfiltered unedited and uncut. Oh, I didn't even realise we were starting. <laughs> Buckle in for a hot take on the week's biggest headlines and insider scoops. He spent 37 years with the record label but was fired in June. That's Entertainment with Jake and Viv. Starts now. What have you got on the best shows ever? Viv, uh, welcome. Oh, actually, it's December now, so Merry Christmas. I will allow you to say that (laughs) now, Jake. We're officially in December and I can stop being the Grinch for the next 20 or so. Oh, goodness. 20 days or so. I actually bought a Christmas tree on the weekend and put it up. That's That's very festive of you. Did you decorate it? Uh, I did decorate it. I can't say I've... I'll send you a photo. can't say it's the world's best Christmas tree. Uh, It all came in at about 80 bucks. But, uh, hey, it's better than no tree. Well, I have no tree because I am a, a sad sack here, here in Sydney on my own without without a tree. Uh, speaking of sad sacks, this is mm-hmm. the second attempt to record this podcast, uh, which is not unusual for us. It's, as you often say, it's very on brand. Uh, you woke up this morning with no power. How is that possible? Last week it was no internet. <laughs> Look, I have previously been at war with nature and apparently now I'm at war with electricity. Uh, So, look, it's very, very difficult to record a podcast without internet, perhaps even more difficult without electricity. So we've had we've had a bit of a battle this morning, but power has returned to Tamarama. So here we are. Uh, Before we dive into this week's episode, can we just talk about all the big departures from radio over the last week? Uh, Gary Roberts from 96FM in Perth, Fran Kelly from uh, ABC's Radio National, Jeff Field from 2SER, Bob Gallagher from 973 in Brisbane, and now Mikey and Emma from The Edge. Yes, we have speculated previously that there might be more change to come and it's almost like radio took that as a challenge and (laughs) said, oh, you want there to be more change before the end of the year? Here you go. It's been uh, quite phenomenal both in terms of talent and uh, behind-the-scenes people because we've also uh, got wind that Fayad Tomi uh, from Nova Entertainment, their chief digital officer has left and is going across to ARN next year as the chief technology officer. That's a big move. Yes, it is. And it all seems to be happening all at once. I'm sure all the radio people are also sneaking through some other moves and hoping that people don't notice because there's so much noise with the likes of Bob Gallagher and Gary Roberts and Mikey and Emma. I can only imagine the stories that we don't know that are going on at the moment. Uh, Everyone is welcome to slide into our DMs (laughs) at any point. They are open. Uh, Right, shall we get this show on the road? Let's do it while I have power. Today on That's Entertainment, who will replace Joan Warner at CRA? The rise of streaming TV news services, the unlikely candidates eyeing junkie. Plus, in this week's hot take, do we really need a 24-7 station dedicated to Kyle and Jackie O? 
Let's start with radio. So peak industry body Commercial Radio Australia is, as we know, on the hunt for a new CEO after its long-standing chief, Joan Warner, announced that she would be leaving CRA after, I think it was around 20 years. Uh, I remember Joan saying in September that she told the board some time ago of her intention to leave. Uh, However, uh, I think it was at the board's request she decided to stay until March next year. Uh, She also revealed that the delayed departure would allow uh, CRA to undertake a a comprehensive and far-reaching search for a replacement. The question now is, who might that be? Did Joan's announcement surprise you at the time, Viv? I mean, not really. Not when you've been in a job for that long, you know. it's She has so many stakeholders. It would be a really exhausting job for every criticism that's lobbied at CRA and, look, some of them are very deserved and some of them are just people having a whinge. But imagine having that many stakeholders and trying to please that many stations, that many group program directors, that many CEOs. It would be exhausting. And now that sounds really, really easy, doesn't it? It was um, a challenge. They have had some criticism for not moving the industry along fast enough in terms of measurement and metrics and messaging. Part of that, though, must be because of the delays caused by their stakeholders and the very people agitating for this change. So no surprise to me that it's it's time for a change. We've seen a lot happen in terms of the ratings this year and measurement and all of the stations sort of moving towards more of a total audio strategy. I think with that comes the need for an injection of fresh leadership. I don't listen to the Carl and Jackie O's. I used to listen to them, but I actually do tend to channel surf, I must admit, in the mornings just to keep an ear on what's happening on AM and Um, Yeah, I agree. And there's no question that it is a tough job. I mean, CRA and Joan often cop the flack for decisions that are really made by the board, uh, which is made up, of course, of of all the big players within commercial radio. I think what will be very telling about the future of commercial radio is who they put in that role, as you say. Will they go with someone from a a similar organisation like uh, Kim Portrait from Think TV, or will they go with someone from within the industry who is still on relatively good terms with everyone? Everyone and has worked on both the AM and FM spectrum, someone like Adam Lang, for example. It would not surprise me at all if the recruiters involved in this process had contacted Kim Portrait. She was the CEO of Think TV, which is the industry body charged with pushing television as a safe and effective mass marketing medium, in particular pushing back against Facebook and Google and how much of the dollar they're gobbling up in terms of Australia's marketing budgets. She then spearheaded what's become known as the Premium Content Alliance, which brings together Think TV with the previous newspaper body. So they've got Think Premium Digital, which is about digital publications, and Think News Brands, which is the likes of the Sydney Morning Herald and the Daily Telegraph. So she's done a very, very good job of bringing traditional mediums sort of into the future or at least into the present. I know, though, that she struggles enough with her stakeholders, which are 7, 9, 10, Foxtel, and then the news companies as well. So there's the 7 West media arm of that and whatnot. I don't think she'd want to take on a job with even more stakeholders and potentially even more egos if that's possible.
Yeah, that's a fair point. As we said, it's definitely not an easy gig. When you look at other uh, industry bodies, whether it's, say, ARIA in the music industry or Think TV, as we've just spoken about, they've managed to maintain a reputation, I think, that is very relevant and very current. I don't feel like CRA has really done that. It does feel dated compared to other industry bodies. When the Premium Content Alliance came together, I did actually speak to Kim Portrait and ask her why they hadn't involved radio in this alliance, given that they were bringing together all the other traditional mediums. She gave a very well-worded, very well-practiced response, but it was along the lines of, you know, give us a break. We're the first ones in the world to do this. We can't do everything and we can't be everything to everyone. I do think it's interesting that they left radio out though. I'm sure they considered it. I'm sure they looked at bringing CRA in or, or at least had the chat and the fact is they didn't. It does leave radio as a bit of an orphan because it's now competing against this really big body that includes the likes of seven, nine and ten, which collectively together with all of those leaders involved can give a really strong message to marketers about the power of those mediums and they can bundle deals and they can do big conferences and they can sell messages and then there's little old CRA in the corner which really needs someone now to come out swinging and strong because radio is competing against this bigger industry body as well as the bigger Facebook and Google. Do you think we'll find out who Jones' replacement is this year or will this be something that will sort of bleed into 2022? I believed at the time when they extended her sort of notice period, I guess, until mid next year, that part of the motivation for that was so she could have a big farewell at the commercial radio awards, which were slated for February. I thought that would be Joan's big farewell, perhaps the introduction of the new leader and, of course, everything else that goes on at the ACRAs. They then didn't go ahead at all. So it feels like it's all a bit of a all a bit of a fizzle. Uh, CRA does like to sneak announcements out. Uh, I know there was a bit of pushback to the fact that with the ACRAs, which they haven't had for years, they didn't even do a virtual ceremony. They just sort of whacked the list of the winners up on the website and then all the organisations had to have their own little shindigs. So hopefully whoever does come in, whether it's someone from radio or someone we've never heard of or someone with great business experience, they're given a really big, powerful, strong introduction and then they can really make their mark. The radio is alive and kicking. It's growing. It's got more listeners than ever before and more potential than ever before. All right, still to come on That's Entertainment, the unlikely candidates eyeing youth publication Junkie and up next, the rise of streaming TV news services. Viv, let's talk about streaming TV news. So uh, former Sky News reporter Aaron Young launched uh, Ticket recently. Sunrise host David Koch launched Ausbiz. Uh, Foxtel has launched its service Flash, which I think is a bundle of streaming news products. Uh, a similar trend is taking place in other markets, including in the US. What do you think is behind this increased appetite for streaming news? I think the increased appetite for streaming news is directly related to the decreased appetite for television news. <laughs> and people still need information and entertainment, and sometimes news broadcasts can be the perfect blending of those two forces. TV news is often the top-rated television show of the evening. You know, the likes of Married at First Sight getting over a million Metro viewers and The Bachelorette 
getting really bad ratings. They're the ones that get the headlines. But actually, if you look at the charts, it's often Seven News that is the number one program across the metro and indeed the regional markets. But that is still declining because people don't necessarily sit down at 6pm on the dot to watch Channel 7 News. But as we both know, the news cycle is still hectic. There's still so much information to consume. And I think that's why all of these big media giants are looking at other ways to get their news and also to get their agenda in front of people. In uh, Foxtel's end-of-year numbers, uh, I think it was revealed that uh, Sky News Australia was its most-watched channel. Uh, Alan Jones, of course, recently departed there. There was some talk about him launching something on Foxtel's new Flash service. Do you think we will start to see more of these sort of talent-led deals on these services as they become more profitable and increase their profiles? Firstly, I'd like to say that being Foxtel's number one channel, I'm just not sure how impressive that is. I mean, what's it competing against? Reruns of The Simpsons and repeats of Seinfeld, as, as fantastic as those two programs may be. I don't know that there's a lot of incredible channels on there anymore because they are investing in these streaming services. You know, for everything terrible that Foxtel has done in the traditional box landscape, and that does really hold them back, the technology of those boxes and the installation, they've equally done fantastic things with the likes of KO, which is their sports streaming service, and then Binge, which is their entertainment streaming service. And Foxtel is often criticised for being behind the eight ball with technology, behind the eight ball with streaming, and yet they've really, really caught up. The, the bottom line is we, we are not the Foxtel of 25 years ago, let alone five years ago. There have been so many changes uh, to everything we do at Foxtel. The mantra from the shareholders was get out there and tell people. They've done a good job with marketing binge. It's, it's a really good word for people to use because it's something that they say anyway, I'm going to binge this They've got some good content on there that's not just reliant on The Simpsons and Seinfeld. They've got some good content partnerships and deals. So it makes sense for them to then branch into the the news as well because news is obviously a big part of Foxtel and, and News Corp's agenda and they need to follow where the audience is. Binge is uh, admittedly my guilty pleasure. When we were together at radio today, often a, a media release from Foxtel would pop in uh, or we'd spot something uh, on trade media elsewhere, whether it was an announcement or a departure, and often we'd give each other a little eye roll or a wink uh, in response to it. But it does feel like Foxtel has really found its way in terms of uh, where television is going. Absolutely, and that's why you know, they are probably going to launch even more services. The more, the better, because they won't be stuck by those stupid boxes and waiting for the Foxtel guy to come over and and fix it. And it's so much cheaper and consumers can chop and change. You know, another really big downfall of Foxtel is those contracts and trying to get through to somebody and switch your channels or switch your package. It's so easy to just get a binge subscription and cancel it but it's equally easy not to cancel it and that's what all of these services can rely on is we all think we'll do it for the free period and then we'll cancel and so many of us don't so then they've just got a constant income coming in from people who aren't even necessarily engaging with the service which is fantastic for them free free money and I think they've got a great platform to drive people to flash which is sky news and and other foxtel channels 
And then when streaming and watching things on your own time not only becomes the norm but really the only thing that people do, at least Foxtel won't be on the, the back foot there. Yeah, Foxtel back in the day. Do you remember that big giant remote? I didn't have Foxtel oh. back in the day. I thought it was for fancy rich people when I'd go, <laughs> go to people's houses and they'd have the remote. And, you know, it was it was a whole other world. It felt so fancy and expensive and... But now I look at it and it feels very clunky and very outdated and I don't think the youths of today would be impressed by the Foxtel remote. Still to come on That's Entertainment, our hot take, uh, do we really think K&J need a 24-7 station? But up next, the unlikely candidates eyeing junkie. Vivian, a move that surprised many. Outdoor AdBiz Omedia acquired 85% of junkie for around $11 million in 2016 now. Five years later, uh, Oz announced, uh, back in July it was, its intention to sell the digital youth outlet. Uh, like all big decisions from the big media companies, uh, Oz CEO Cathy O'Connor said the decision to sell was made after a, a strategic review. There's been a lot of industry speculation about this one, a lot of interest. Why do you think that is? A number of reasons. As you say, it was a shock sale when it happened in 2016 an outdoor, an outdoor essentially billboard company coming in and buying what was at the time a really hot ticket item. You have to remember that when Orimedia purchased Junkie, outdoor was the very, very unsexy medium. It has done pre-COVID at least, a really good job of modernising, becoming digital, making itself a bit more interesting and getting a much larger share of voice in terms of marketing budgets and also in terms of trade media. Suddenly everyone was talking about outdoor. People weren't talking about outdoor in the same way in 2016. What they were talking about was the rise of all of these massive youth publications that also had a really big engaged social media audience. This was when Pedestrian was at its prime, junkie, BuzzFeed in Australia still had a really big, strong presence a lot of that has changed. BuzzFeed has really largely left Australia, particularly in terms of news. Junkie isn't the same powerhouse that it was simply because of the way that the Facebook algorithm stopped prioritising publishers and, and they'd built their audience that way and suddenly they had to get it a different way. So everyone's speculating just because I think of how much has changed in that five-year period. Suddenly outdoors sexy and perhaps owning a youth-orientated online publication isn't. I don't know that Omedia was ever a great home for Junkie. I never quite saw the fit. I know that there were synergies in terms of, you know, their sponsored content and, and their creative house and, and the opportunities that that opened up. I just don't know that they ever really found their feet in terms of integrating those two quite different families, I guess. It is uh, a fairly saturated market now. There are some key players like Pedestrian, some rising players like the Bragg Media. Uh, in terms of potential suitors for Junkie, we've seen uh, uh, both the Bragg Media, uh, Nova, ARN, all the radio networks, I think, uh, even some of the TV networks being mentioned as, as possible acquirers of it. Uh, a lot of those companies, including Val Morgan, actually, have all sort of pulled out of the race. There's some new reporting uh, this week from your former Mumbrella colleague, Zoe Samis, uh, at the Sydney Morning Herald, that suggests Schwartz Media and The Guardian are the final two in the running. I wouldn't have picked those. You've just taken the words right out of my mouth there, Jake. Uh, I wouldn't have picked those either. Everybody seems to think that the natural home for Junkie was going to be 
the brag media. Everybody thought that that's what was going to happen. They skew a bit younger. They've got music publications. Junkie does have a bit of a focus on music. It just made sense. The Guardian is quite left of centre for me, both in terms of its politics and in terms of it potentially acquiring Junkie. I mean, someone someone has to buy it. So I guess when you whittle out everyone else that we've just been through, maybe they're the only ones that sort of have the, the resources to do it properly. They have likely benefited from an injection of cash from deals with Facebook and Google, not enough cash necessarily to buy a publication, but they have been hiring a lot more staff, both of those organisations, and really growing. And you do want to see Junkie at a home that's growing. You know, you don't want to see it pushed into the corner a bit like it probably was at O Media. You want it to be a priority. And I think potentially if Swartz or The Guardian buy it, it would be a priority, but it'd be an interesting integration, that's for sure. sure. The uh, A lot of the conversation around this has been the price tag, uh, which was rumoured to be around $20 million. Uh, in terms of Zoe's reporting today, it's just that the bids are somewhere between, I think it was 8 to uh, $10 million, which is half or less than half of what they wanted. Uh, it, does that make it a dud? I'm not going to go so far as to say it's a dud. That's not a lot of money, though. You know, the rumoured sale price of Mumbrella to diversified communications, the rumour that nobody is supposed to talk about is always, you know, that it's around that um, $8 million mark. So that's a trade media publication. And, yes, it had a very big events footprint, but potentially not worth as much now as it was back in the day when they sold. But Junkie has a much, much larger audience and much larger potential audience than a trade media publication. It does have a really big social media footprint still, despite the challenges they've had with the algorithms. So I can see why they'd want more than that, because their audience is potentially the whole youth of Australia and anyone interested in politics or entertainment or reality TV. They cover so much and a lot of resources go into making a publication like that so yes I'd say they'd want more than eight million dollars. I thought uh, when I was sort of mapping out who the potential uh, purchasers could be I thought maybe Viacom or 10 would be an interesting one given that they moved away from 10 Daily they recently shut down their youth publication under the MTV brand they might be looking at nine and going oh you know having some success with pedestrian under their umbrella. Uh, But I guess we'll find out in the weeks ahead. 10 would would make sense because it does really need to sort of uh, diversify away from just television, but they have struggled with their publishing attempts in the past. They made a really big splash with 10 Daily and, as you say, that's, that's now gone. They've really pulled back from, from doing that. So I guess the fear would be if they did buy junkie would it be a, a priority and and how would that work with with their history of, of not doing that great in in publishing so potentially uh it might be better if it stays with a more traditional publishing company all right up next on that's entertainment our hot take of the week that's entertainment's hot take ARN launched a new radio station last week viv on its iHeartRadio australia app uh, it will feature your friends, Kyle and Jackie O, non-stop, 24-7, with back-to-back content, uh, including the latest live shows, The Hour of Power, topical content, 
and according to the best uh, the press release here, the best classic moments of the Kyle and Jackie O show. Kyle said it'll be the biggest station iHeart Radio has ever had. Make no mistake about it. But do we really need an entire radio station dedicated to Kyle and Jackie O? Well, we have an entire radio station dedicated to the abomination that is Christmas music in the form of Elf Radio. So if iHeartRadio can have that and SCA can, on the flip side, have Santa Radio, then yes, we can have a Kyle and Jackie O station. Nobody's going to sit down and listen to it 24-7. So as much as it seems excessive and obnoxious, it, it sort of comes back to what we were talking about with the streaming services in television. It's people engaging with the content that they want when they want. And a lot of people who are fans of Carl Sanderlands and Jackie O. Henderson aren't up at six o'clock in the morning when they start broadcasting or they can't keep going when that show runs overtime every day. You know, they, they've got jobs to do or they've got things that need doing so with this they can tune in hear potentially the latest show but also they've got decades of old skits old interviews old moments that they can replay and people can I guess get a bit nostalgic about and there's no shortage of content or controversies for people to tune into why not just put that on the podcast feed though where it's already monitored why not have it everywhere you know that's that's what Kyle wants he you know he talks about uh world domination we both know that he wants to be syndicated into every potential radio market in this country he want he wants to be that the first sort of national breakfast show this is one way to do it without putting other talent out of work I guess and and, and without risking uh, Kiss's entire strategy they can reach more people they can drive more people to the iHeartRadio platform and then people that are on that platform they can drive them back to the traditional radio stations you know we both know that uh, Kyle and myself have had a few clashes so it might surprise you to know that I actually don't think this is a terrible idea at all it's quite an easy thing you know it just makes makes sense to have them everywhere it does give ARN even more key person risk around Kyle and Jackie O uh, but I think look they've got that anyway we've all seen what happens when they leave a network so why not just lean into it and give them even more power Kyle's talked about previously and you've reported on this uh, at radio today uh, the fact that he'd like to see a paid subscription around the K&J product and I heart as well right yes he does see himself as a premium content, a premium offering. And they do have quite an engaged audience beyond the traditional radio scene. You know, they they do a lot online. They do a lot of video. They film the whole thing. They do Facebook Lives. They, they do Instagram. Paywalling that would be a really big risk because people are used to getting it for free and not just for a short time, for decades and decades and decades. And Whilst news publications such as uh, the Daily Telegraph and the Australian and now the Sydney Morning Herald and the Nine products have proved that people can eventually get on board with paywalls and now we're all used to paying for content, my God, it took a really long time. And I think there would be blowback if suddenly they paywalled parts of the Kyle and Jackie O show, particularly because they do like to sort of tap into that market of of tradies and everyday people and people who are doing it tough. You don't want to just sort of only target middle class people with a high disposable income. If anyone's going to do it though, it's going to it's going to be Kyle. He's the perfect person to experiment with it. 
Uh, I can't see them charging for the 24-7 station, uh, but I'm sure they'll end up charging for something. I want to know how this station came about. Did Kyle take this to uh, Kieran and, and Duncan and co, uh, or is this something dreamed up by uh, Noz and Corey over a late-night whiskey? <laughs> I think Noz and Corey over late night whiskeys only talk about Elf Radio, uh, the <laughs> number one Christmas music station. I'm sure it's something that's been talked about for a very long time. It's also something that Kyle and Jackie O's listeners, for whatever reason, absolutely cannot get enough of them. You know, they that show does run long every day while other people are wrapping up their breakfast show at 8.55 and you can hear the keys literally jangling in their pocket as they're bouncing their legs up and down waiting to get out that door those two really do keep broadcasting they keep taking more and more calls they just go longer and longer and longer and that's because people are listening and people want it so I'm sure that there's been many many conversations and I'm sure if Kyle could take over more stations on iHeart he bloody would (laughs) that's very true uh there was a time when uh Noz was looking at you to host Elf Radio actually I recall I think I put that deal together and you bailed on it. And look, it's Christmas and here we are and I'm not hosting it. So once again, you've been a a terrible agent, but I think it's uh, better for the children of Australia that I'm not involved because my disdain for Christmas music is is probably not on brand for Elf Radio. You've been a difficult talent in fairness. I would be a very difficult talent, particularly if I had to listen to... uh, Christmas music. I, I would be uh, getting those those uh, headlines for for engaging engaging the lawyers and whatnot. I'd be <laughs> a terror in the hallways. Uh, I think we might leave it there. I think we should safer for everybody. Shall we leave it with a Christmas carol? Oh, you can you can perform one, but I'm going to take my headphones off and run out the door right now. 